0: In today's episode, I am very excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Maria Tomlinson. Maria is a lecturer at the University of Sheffield, as well as being a Leverhulme Early Career Fellow. She is also an author, activist and co-host of the podcast Empower Period. This week's episode will focus on how menstruation is represented and how that representation is affecting how we feel about it. We will also be talking about the potential of menstrual activism and how women authors are choosing to write about periods in literature. On the latter point, I am delighted to be able to talk to Maria about her new book, From Menstruation to the Menopause, The Female Fertility Cycle in Contemporary Women's Writing in French, which is out in June with Liverpool University Press. So hi Maria, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. Thanks for inviting me. So firstly, could you give us a brief outline of your areas of research?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Areas is the right term there actually because I'm involved in quite a few um different disciplines. So I started off um doing a PhD in French literature. Um and as part of that, I looked at periods in French literature. Oh fab. So I looked at authors from Algeria France and Mauritius and I looked at how they represented periods um, and childbirth actually and uh, the menopause in their novels and I was really interested in how they created these characters um, who lived in Algeria, France and Mauritius and how their experiences of periods were uh, affected by uh, stigma um, and by other factors and these books really showed how women's experiences of periods are influenced by factors like their ethnicity um, their class um, and other aspects like religion um, so that's kind of where I started and then when I was doing my PhD I noticed that there were there was this kind of movement happening on social media because I was already interested in periods because of my um, looking at it in French literature I started looking at you know, the media and social media to get some ideas and I started noting from 2015 that this big movement was happening so after I finished my PhD I thought right you know someone needs to look at the impact um, of this activism uh, and to see you know how this has changed people's ideas about periods so that's my um, current project um, which is basically one in sociology and media studies and journalism so I'm looking at magazines um, and newspaper articles and social media And I'm looking at how activists have spoken about activism um, and about periods in general on those media amazing yeah and the final part of that is um, interviewing um, well I'm interviewing activists I've interviewed over 30 already which is wonderful Um, Mm -hmm. and on top of that I've also been doing um, some focus groups in schools to see how these messages that activists are sharing are influencing young people's perceptions about periods so that's it in a nutshell
0: amazing that brings me straight on to my next question i was just going to say how do you feel the perceptions in young people are changing
1: well i've noticed that actually which really surprised me was that i've been doing focus groups with um boys and girls and you know i expected the girls to be able to talk you know relatively confidently about periods but i was quite surprised that actually the boys had a lot to say too Um, And I
0: think that's really good. Yeah, it's really
1: good. And I think slowly over the past kind of at least like three or four years, young people have started to become more confident to talk about periods. And I think definitely the stigma around that um, is starting to go away. But obviously there's still a lot of work to be done. But I was really inspired by the 16 to 18 year olds who I met because they talked to me about periods very confidently. Um, and they were quite aware of um, period poverty and they'd heard of some campaigns going on at the moment so they were kind of aware that menstrual stigma exists um, and they were quite happy to talk about periods and kind of start thinking about them in a more positive way so that was really great to see but a lot of work still needs to be done
0: yeah in fact again you're great at this Um, I was going to ask about the potential of menstrual activism in the media and what it could bring us to do
1: yeah absolutely well there's a lot of i think social media has been particularly powerful in this um a lot of hashtags like hashtag um period positive that was created by Chella quint have had uh quite a bit of attention and why these hashtags are so good is it allows everyone to take part it allows everyone to share their experiences about periods and talk a bit more openly and positively about them and I think the more we talk openly about periods whether it's on social media or even in our daily lives the less stigmatized it will be and it will just start to become a more and more normal topic and once it's a more normal topic that's going to really help um, everybody because you know at the moment for example you know, if you don't feel confident talking about periods then you know you might have a condition like endometriosis you might suffer a lot of period pain but actually yeah. not be aware that that isn't typical so if people talk more openly and share their experiences it might lead to more people going to the doctor and being diagnosed with conditions like endometriosis so it will have Absolutely. a really positive knock-on effect i think on everybody yeah. yeah when
0: when fighting period poverty we do tend to universalize everything to to make a point but like you say there's also a a con to doing that because if we generalize it people tend to not really know the differences so like you say I for a very long time I always thought period pain was very normal
1: yeah exactly. And you know actually I mean there's there's not been that many studies on how much pain is typical. Um, mm. but I've kind of read that if your pain won't go away after taking paracetamol, then perhaps you should go and speak to a doctor about it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. like everyone's experiences of periods are different and it depends like you know it depends on your gender. So a transgender man will have a different experience of a period than a non-binary person than a cisgender woman. Um, and also you know people's you know cultural backgrounds influence their perceptions of menstruation as well and I think if we it's great to put out kind of universal messages and kind of like raise awareness of period poverty but if we want to really tackle it we have to like think about different communities in which there is period poverty and how to reach those communities Um, So, for example, during the pandemic, it's actually been quite hard to reach some uh, South Asian communities. I've spoken to some activists about this, like Alina, um, who works, well, she's part of PSA uh, Periods, and she was telling me that it's really difficult to access those communities sometimes via the internet. Um, And if there's a lot of stigma in a particular community, they're going to be less willing to kind of, you know, talk to you about periods on a Zoom call. You know, it's very impersonal. And if we want to kind of tackle stigma, it's actually important to have those face to face spaces where people can feel more confident, there's someone in front of you kind of reassuring you, it's going to inspire you more to kind of share your experiences than you know, over a zoom call.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And digital exclusion
1: is an issue too, because you know, not everybody has access to the internet. And it's really important to remember that. So actually, to tackle period poverty it's actually a lot of kind of face to face grassroots work going into communities face to face is important but um, talking on a more universal level it's actually important to tackle kind of structural issues as well and what I've noticed in the media recently is a lot of articles are talking about the tampon tax being removed and saying that this is a great victory for ending period poverty well actually yes it's symbolically important and of course menstrual products should not be taxed they are a necessity however um you know saving a few pence of a menstrual product isn't going to suddenly mean that someone who is struggling to afford them can suddenly buy them and what we actually really need to tackle is poverty so things need to happen on a more kind of governmental level I know charities like iRise for example um are working on that at the moment kind of trying to change um you know leadership trying to get more women and people with periods kind of into leadership positions so it's kind of a combination of approaches I think that's needed kind of a a face-to-face grassroots level but also kind of more structural societal changes
0: oh definitely that makes so much sense so you feel very passionately about this um topic um so it's it's brought you to writing a book which is out in july june
1: it's actually out on the first of june which i remember because i'm actually supposed to be getting married on that day as well i say supposed oh, because of the pandemic <laughs>
0: you <absolutely>. never know
1: <laughs> personal and professional uh, celebrations on that day
0: so would you like to expand on the topics that your book covers yeah absolutely so
1: the book um, relates back to my PhD um, yeah. and it's called From Menstruation to the Menopause um, and well, that's the main title of it and mm-hmm. um, basically in this book um, I kind of start with um, second wave feminism um, which was the feminist movement around kind of the 1970s and Back mm-hmm. then, you know, even back then, you know, this menstrual movement, it isn't new. It's just kind of like a more modern version of previous kind of feminist um, menstrual movements that we've seen before. Um, So back in the 1970s, um, French feminists like Annie Leclerc, um, they were starting to write about periods because they realised that no one was talking about periods and there was so much stigma. So they decided to write text about them. And what Annie Leclerc did was actually very similar to the period positive movement going on now is that she created a more positive language to talk about periods. Um, So my book looks at um, how writers back in the 1970s celebrated periods, how they try to challenge like negative stereotypes about periods or women when they're on their periods. Um, And then I go forward to the kind of 1990s because, Um, even though this kind of 1970s second wave feminism stuff was like really cool um, and it was really celebrating periods and that was great it was the problem with second wave feminism was that it was mostly white female feminists and the way in which they kind of understood menstruation was from a very kind of European and white and kind of like very privileged point of view and they didn't really take into account the fact that you know people's experiences women's experiences are different depending on you know their own identities and and their own lives so what I did was I showed how literature from Algeria France and Mauritius which is kind of all written in French I showed how this literature um, actually challenges that and I show you know for example how in when I write about Algeria I show how the women in those novels are influenced you know by Algerian politics and you know how that shapes their experiences of periods um, and I talk about how like their experiences are shaped by Islam um, and I also look at more kind of individual factors like you know their socioeconomic status so in the book basically I argue that French literature well women's writing in French um, from the, over the past kind of like 25 years has really yeah. showed what we call an intersectional perspective. So the idea that everyone's experiences are different and are based on, you know, factors like their age, their, um, the culture that they live in, yeah. the society that they live in, you know, their family relationships and that kind of thing. So I'm kind of advocating an approach to periods that kind of takes all those matters into account. And I'm doing kind of using French literature to do that. So that's kind of the book. Um, Amazing. It's the book it's a very academic book um but I've written it I hope in a way that it will be kind of really accessible um to like people from undergraduate level and onwards
0: absolutely it sounds like something I would totally love to read I'm really excited to get my hands on a copy great yeah so after writing that I think you'll deserve a little bit of time off but is there anything you'd like to write about in the future
1: oh so much so my next well my current project is the one about periods in the media so i've already written an article that's coming out really soon about period memes amazing Because I started to notice like the past couple of years, there's so much um, content on social media about periods and a lot of it is in meme format. And we all kind of love a funny meme. So I thought these kind of memes show us something about, you know, young people's um, attitudes today towards periods. And I thought, I'd look at some of these memes and see whether actually, you know, these memes look at periods in a positive way, or maybe they still kind of share a lot of negative stereotypes about periods so I wrote an article about Mm -hmm. that um, and I saw that you know actually activism is having an impact on these memes there's quite a few that were quite positive that were like raising awareness of things like you know the impact of single-use period products on the environment because obviously like pads and tampons you know they get thrown away they're not biodegradable um so some of these issues are really starting to seep into these memes so that was really nice to see so that's something else i've got coming out i think also in june it's gonna be a busy month
0: where where is that coming out
1: that should be in the journal of social semiotics um so that's that's good so that's very kind of again academic article but i have made a video about it um which you can find on my website which is mariatomlinson.co.uk fab So I've got a video there of my top five favorite period memes which is kind of a bit more accessible and fun (laughs) in the academic article. Um, And then I am planning on writing a book about everything I found out about periods in the media. So that book will include interviews with 30 activists in, in the UK. So they're activists who are working in areas like period poverty, challenging period stigma, Um, raising awareness um, of the fact that you know not all women have periods and of course not everyone who has a period is a woman absolutely and also like environmental aspects as well Um, oh and finally of course um, activists who are raising awareness of conditions like PMDD and endometriosis so that's the first part of the book and then I'm going to be looking at how this activism has come across like in traditional media and how activists are using social media and then the last part of the book I'm going to share some uh, results from the focus groups I've done with 16 to 18 year olds. Um, Although I am still looking for some more schools, if any schools in Yorkshire hear this, I'm still looking to go into schools to talk about periods. um, Amazing. And it's, it's for research but also I found that the focus groups I've done have like really encouraged um the young people to kind of speak up. And they said that they really enjoyed actually being able to openly talk about periods because they didn't really have the chance in school. Cause in school it's only really taught very briefly in biology. And you know, still boys and girls are separated um, when they're taught about periods so they actually found it beneficial to start up these conversations with um, their classmates and I had some groups um, that were mixed boys and girls as well and it was so nice to see them talk together about it and the boys offering their support Um, so that was really positive
0: absolutely it makes no sense in this day and age to split genders up when you're speaking about a topic like this
1: yeah, I absolutely agree, because when you split them up, it just kind of reinforces the idea that it's a taboo subject, that we shouldn't talk about it in mixed company.
0: Absolutely. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to me about all of these topics. And I know that you do the podcast Empower Period. Yes, Empower Period podcast international. with Rise, that's right. Amazing. So people can come and listen to you talk... A- bit more in depth on that podcast
1: yeah absolutely um the podcast is available on Spotify um and Buzzsprout I mean I I host it with Akushla Young who is the advocacy coordinator at iRise it's kind of a joint project um we've got I think six episodes out and we're going to be making some more really soon but yeah it's great we've had such a diverse kind of uh, group of guests and you know our emphasis really is on kind of like diversity inclusion in these podcasts and just trying to talk about as many different um, experiences of periods as possible it's been uh, it's been really nice to talk to you it's actually really nice to be a guest on a podcast as well um, as I'm usually hosting so it's been really good to i am always always enjoy sharing um, my research in this kind of format um, you know because it's so important as academics that the research we do is actually you know having an impact on society so you know, we yeah. talk um, on a more kind of like everyday level about our research um, rather than just limiting what we do to like highbrow language and kind of journals and that kind of thing
0: If you are curious about how you can help with these important issues from your own home, then go to periodpoverty.uk, where you can find details of our fundraising drive, Red Rebel Day, where we are looking for world changers to engage with us in raising awareness and fighting period poverty across the globe with a host of fun online events. On next week's episode, we will be talking to the inspiring Laura Coryton, founder of the Stop Taxing Periods campaign and author of the book Speak Up. We will also be releasing our episodes every Tuesday from now on. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.